KSI, episode 29. Hey, come here. You need to know my secret. It's very bad. Very, very bad. I want to tell you, but I, I, I love Raid. Let's rock this old bump. Let's do it. Here we go. Episode 29, ASI Podcast, Season 3, Blast from the Past right here. My email address is russ at asi247.org. If you choose to be in contact for some correspondence, that's how it goes. Um, my Twitter handle, at Russ Shaw, all one word, in case you tweet. Facebook, it's like a like button on the website, asi247.org. Doing something a little different today. Um, usually, this podcast, when I do it solo without a guest... Sounds like a poorly edited audiobook, right? I'm driving around, I'm recording a little, turning it off, recording some more, trying to mesh these ideas together in an editing process that takes um, two or three hours. And this week I'm doing something a little different. Been listening to some talk radio guys just in the hopes that I could maybe change some of my habitual way of doing this and think more like a think outside the box <laughs> to use a cliche right to, to think more like a talk radio person or a speech right someone who's just speaking I heard a guy talking about talk radio and he says you know we we make it look easy but it's really not easy to just fill up time while the red light's on and you're on the air and you got to fill up this certain amount of time, be poignant, not ramble, right? And, and keep the listener's attention. So I'm going to attempt to do that today. Uh, I'm sitting here in traffic. I am driving at the moment and it's, you know, it's Friday. I'm on my way home from work in the Seattle area and I'm in a, a 60 mile an hour zone. I'm doing about 20. So I thought this would be a a good time to do a, a podcast on the topic of the eighth step as we are going through the eight steps here the season three of the podcast being about results and talking about the 12 step 
system, right? The 12-step tradition in more of a positive light than I have in the past. I've uh, been, I am still kind of a 12-step skeptic, but I'm also willing to learn, and I've put a lot of study into these 12 steps recently, and it's, uh, you know, it's, it, they're actually a, a lot cooler than I thought they were, right? There's actually a lot less of this kind of self-centered solutions-based, you know, uh, stuff going on than, than I thought. Uh, having my, my friend, uh, my uh, guest on the show, uh, guy that does the uh, Purity podcast, or not podcast, excuse me. See, I'm not editing that out. <laughs> I'm staying with you right here. Um, now, the Purity Report, which is a uh, like a forum, blog, posts, right? It's like a community online where you can talk about this. I encourage you to check that out. If you've never talked about your struggles, if you struggle with sexual addiction, you're afraid to walk into a group and talk to people face to face, um, the Purity Report's a great place to do that. My friend John Glisson has been a guest on the show a couple times, and he taught, I mean, he, he's a 12-step guy. He leads 12-step groups in his church, um, actually, like, for the state, like the state of Georgia uh, sends folks to him, right? It's either jail or 12-step. I had that happen in my life here in Washington State. I'm in the Seattle area. I'm actually driving through Seattle right now. Um, and you hear what I'm saying, right? Like I was forced and I drank, I broke into my stepfather's house after him and my mom had been separated. I stole a bunch of his booze. And I, and I tried to drink a half gallon of Bacardi. I actually died for two minutes, had an alcohol overdose, um, went, to, went to the emergency room, they pumped my stomach like two or three times, uh, cut my clothes off with a pair of scissors. I had this awesome Van Halen shirt from the concert that I got like two nights before this happened or something, right? And, and, and yeah, it was just bad. So anyway, long story short, they. The state of Washington, like, he didn't press charges by the grace of God. Um, he thought that I had learned my lesson, which is pretty cool and gracious of him. But the state said, not so fast. Um, we're not going to press charges either as long as you go to, like, a 12-step group thing. So that's my first uh, interaction with the 12 steps. Step 8 is the one we're on today. Uh, <laughs> trying to stay on point. Not going to digress. Just not going to let myself do it. <laughs> right? On point, Russ. Stay on point. Anyway, 12 steps. I'm talking about step 8 today. And um, step 8 goes like this. Made a list of all the persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Um, now, this is not that you've made amends yet. But you are thinking about the people that you've harmed, the people that you've hurt, and you're you're willing to do so. Like your heart and your mind are open to the fact that you may need to make amends with some people that you have harmed. And I wanted to talk about secrets today. Um, Dr. Block is a, another guest that's been on the show in the past. He wrote a book called uh, Intimacy... Uh, I wrote a book on intimacy. I, it was years ago, and I can't remember. I can't remember the name of it right offhand. Uh, 
Anyway, so Dr. Block does a newsletter, and he was talking about, in a couple of his newsletters, about secrets. I don't agree with Dr. Block on everything. He's kind of a, he's a psychologist, self-help guy. Uh, that's cool. That's where he's at. Um, just, right, I, I, but he's got a lot of wisdom. So, some of the stuff he talked about in, in these uh, newsletters up on, on secrets, I thought were really important, and had a lot to do with this eighth step. And how we come to the point where we need to make amends in the first place has a lot to do with our habitual right process of secrets and how, you know, how we may have got to this place as if you're struggling with sexual addiction, for example, and I know that's not everybody's story. A lot of folks are struggling with other addictions that listen, but sex seems to be in there. <laughs> it's just another thing that's on, on this as well. But for me, it's the sex stuff was the toughest. After the alcohol and the drugs, um, I figured I'd clean myself up, right? Like I arrived at some place and then, <laughs> no, uh, I had the sex, the sex problem that followed me throughout my life, and then it just started to get progressively worse, as it tends to do. Um, and it was my life was lived in lies and secrets. And today's show is titled, um, you know, secrets and the gray area between the truth and lies. Uh, the eighth step, right? Making amends. Well, I thought it was about making amends. Part of making amends is um, uncovering the truth, isn't it? And the truth is going to sting. Um, facing people that we've harmed, facing up to the fact that we are sinners, right? That we do um, hurt other people and may have hurt other people, and that we're wrong, right? Admitting we're wrong, that's another one. It's funny that in the psychological community, the word sin has been replaced with uh, disorder and dysfunction. So, <laughs> if you don't like the word sin, and maybe if you're a secularist, right? You can just throw those words in instead. I don't know, it's, that's goofy. Sin is a better word, I just think it's a better word. Um, it's something that rock and roll guys say in song lyrics. I don't know. You don't hear anybody. You don't hear anybody doing raps or metal tunes about dysfunction. <laughs> I got a disorder. <laughs> no, sorry. Anyway, I digress. Anyway, back on point. See, I haven't hit the stop button or the pause button once. I'm feeling a sense of uh, victory in my scatteredness. So. Um, Defining integrity. The show is called Attitudes of Sexual Integrity. Next week's show, by the way, is going to be the eighth anniversary. I've already started editing it, and it's it's pretty cool. So uh, subscribe, man. Subscribe to the show. Why not? Come on, hit the subscribe button. It, what's the worst that could happen? <laughs> I don't know. If you're on iTunes, if you're on Stitcher Radio, you hit the little star or the thumbs up button. Um, but subscribe because you're going to dig next week's show, and you don't want to miss it. I'm just telling you up front. Uh, integrity. Anyway, attitudes of sexual integrity. The word integrity for me doesn't mean you're perfect or that you just, you know, you live your life and look, that's a man of integrity right there. Like he's a king or some kind of royalty or something. That's not what that word means. It, uh, 
it's not what that word means to me as a guy who's grown through in recovery for years. I started working in a machine shop and I noticed that we, the, the place I worked at built um, parts for airplanes, parts that steered the airplane, parts that help keep the helicopter in the sky, that kind of thing. So if these parts broke, it was bad. It went really bad, right? So you, <laughs> there was, you had to make sure that these parts, I mean, they went through a grueling inspection process and everything we did had to be um, bugged, it had our name on it, and it, and it had to be recorded. And each part, in each part of the process, was it had its own integrity. So integrity means that if I have a boat, for example, um, that boat is going to float and it's got an engine on it and it's going to go through the water and it's going to do what's expected of it as, as the vehicle or the vessel that it is. With these parts, in each part of the process, um, they, would, they would be up to par with that part of the process. Are you following me? So when a, when a control rod, for example, um, just came off the machine and was fresh and it passed inspection, um, it wasn't hardened yet because that process hadn't been done yet. But the integrity of that part just coming off the machine was, was good and it moved to the next stage. And then the integrity in that next stage was that it would be hardened to a certain hardness and it wouldn't break, right? It, it wouldn't shatter, it wouldn't bend. That was the hardness process. But that hasn't happened yet. So does that mean that that part, where it was before it was hardened, doesn't have integrity? No, it doesn't. It just means that it hasn't moved to the second process. And I think that's important because some people think in order to be a man of integrity that you have to be somehow perfect. No, but you should be honest about the process that you're in. Um, I don't like this kind of fake Christian, you know, Jesus with a suit and tie, you know, this market sense Christianity. It's like snake oil that says, that, you know, you become a Christian and then Jesus just makes your life just shiny and new and you don't have problems anymore. That's not reality. And it's like selling snake oil. And honestly, it kind of makes me angry. <laughs> it's something that I, when I see it on Twitter or something like that, I, I stand up in, in staunch um, opposition, which makes for interesting conversations on Twitter sometimes uh, with religious people. Anyway, um, I believe that evangelism is just being who you are, where God has you in your life. That is a quote by a, uh, a pastor I've been listening to, Nadia Bowles-Weber. A friend turned me on to some of her uh, stuff on YouTube, and she just wrote a book. Uh, that's uh, I forget the name of it right offhand. I'll talk about it on the next show. But anyway, she uh, <laughs> she's interesting. Uh, tattoos all over her body. She's like six one, and she's a Lutheran pastor. And she, uh, yeah, just not the person you would think <laughs> that would be a, a pastor. But anyway, great story. So. One of the things she, that's a quote by her, that's one of the things she talks about is, you know, I'd rather be myself than put on a, a fake thing, right? Like, I believe more in the power of Christ than the power of me to fix myself. So, you know, when, when we fake it, we don't have integrity. 
Rick Warren is another guy I like to listen to. He was saying kind of the same thing. He was saying that, you know, integrity doesn't mean you're perfect. It means that whether you're at the pub or at work or at church, you're kind of, you're the same guy, right? Or the same girl. Integrity means that you're not faking it in front of other people. Thanksgiving is this week, and it's, it's interesting. I used to kind of try and be a different person for my relatives, and I'm just not anymore. It's, it's pretty refreshing. You should try it. Um, just be you and, and, and see what happens. Uh, I, right? You're you on a progressive path of growth, hopefully. <coughs> anyway, excuse me. Um... How do we learn to tell secrets? Like, one of the things about secrets, see, secrets aren't lies. Is it a sin to keep a secret? No, it's not. Um, because secrets aren't lies. Are secrets bad or good? Well, it depends, right? It's one of these gray area things. I mean, there's a lot of folks, again, in Christianity that want to say that everything's black and white. Well, everything isn't black and white. Secrets are a good example of the gray area that, and I think we need to expose and talk about the gray area because it has everything to do with um, making amends and what the, the, the severity of that later on in life. Um, family norm formation can be a big part of how and why people keep secrets, right? Don't tell your mom, I went here. Don't tell your mom, you saw that. Now, if, it's, if it has something to do with like gift giving, I don't see a problem with that. Like, okay, it's Christmas. You saw I bought mom one of these. I don't want you to tell her that, all right, because I bought her that. I don't want her to know what it is. If she asks you, tell her, you know, this is our secret, okay? Is that a bad thing? No, no, that's not a bad thing. Um, when, when it's, you know, just little lies. And I grew up this way, man. I don't want to totally out my mom, <laughs> but maybe I should, I don't know. It, it, like, imagine you grow up in a home where you, one person is buying stuff, spending money like they shouldn't, and then telling you not to tell the other person. You know? And that's not a good secret. When you start lying about money, um, you're, you're, that's not oneness. It's not good for a relationship, and it's just going to lead to problems later on. It's like it's like bad communication skills being procrastinated into a later on conflict. Um, those kind of secrets aren't good. They don't promote oneness. Does that make sense? What are some of the motivations of keeping secrets? Uh, a big part for addicts is we don't, we, we're embarrassed. It's a lot of this with sexual stuff, man. I, I'm embarrassed. I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want to tell anybody about that. Um, it's embarrassing. Disgrace or shame. I'm ashamed of that behavior. I don't like that that comes out of me. I'd rather just pretend that I don't do those things or want to do those things so I'm gonna keep it secret and can I tell you something eventually it comes out you're addicted sexually it's going to you're gonna get busted man you're gonna get caught sooner or later we live in a digital age it's becoming harder and harder to 
hide stuff. I heard some uh, statistics on divorce where Facebook was constantly being said in divorce courts. People flirt on Facebook. People, you know, post things on each other's Facebook page. It's hard. It, that's one thing about the 21st century in the digital age. It's becoming harder to hide discretions, right? They they come to the surface because of there's a record of it, man. There's a record of it somewhere. You may not think there is, but there is. Uh, living without secrets. That's another cool thing about where I'm at as opposed to where I was. I'm not worried about. My wife picking up my phone and going through my, my call history, right? Or my internet usage anymore. It's a, it's a huge weight lifted off me. I, I used to panic when my wife started going through my computer. Oh no, is she gonna find something? Uh, start getting nervous. She's looking through the history. She's looking for a dad. I cover my tracks, right? It's nice not having to live like that. Um, <clears throat> The importance of teaching your kids about secrets. Something our pastor talked about that I thought was really good. Uh, pastor Mark Driscoll, I go to Mars Hill Church in Seattle. He was talking about how in his house, he, he teaches his kids that we don't have secrets. Like, you know, if mom and dad, yeah, it's presents and birthdays and surprise parties and stuff like that. And he talks about that. But if somebody asks you to keep a secret, that person is asking you to lie to your mom and dad don't do that you tell them that you don't keep secrets and that you're not going to keep any secrets right that's a great way to protect your kids from sexual predators and usually sexual predators are someone you know someone in the family some kid down the street that wants you to keep a secret don't tell your mom and dad um, so if you live your life as a person of integrity right if you'd look at your kids and say things like, don't tell mom I bought that, or don't tell mom I came in so late. If you look at your kids and apologize to them for having them keep secrets, maybe you've done that in the past. Um, yeah, I would do that. I would sit, have a little meeting with your kids and say, hey, I'm sorry for asking you to, to lie to mom or to hide from mom this little truth. And I'm not going to do that anymore. And I apologize for that. And I want to. I want to. I want to be a mom or a dad who doesn't live in this world of secrets, because I think secrets can turn to lies very easily. And I want to protect you, right? Getting down to your kids' level and, and talking to them about that. Getting, getting. You know, kids are smarter than you think. And if you just talk to them and ask them, you know what a secret is? Yeah, daddy, yes, mom, or no, tell me what a secret is. Because a secret it can turn to a lie real fast. Um, and it can become a habit. Secret keeping can become a habit to the point where when it's fully, um, yes, I, I picture like a, like a, a flower or something or some noxious weed 
that has bloomed. In my area, we have this, this kind of skunk weed. It rains a lot here, and we get this like swampy marshes all over the place. And in the spring, the skunk weed will come in full bloom, and it's just stinky and rotten, and it smells like a skunk. And then after a few weeks, when it stops smelling like a skunk, it smells like a dead skunk which is even worse. And that's kind of how secret keeping, when it becomes in full bloom, starts to become in your life. I lived a double life because some of the seeds that I had learned as a kid in keeping secrets, I learned that I could, I had a little power, I had a little independence over here. As long as they don't know the whole truth, what they don't know won't hurt them, right? I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be a double, a double identity kind of person, and it, and it was just, it was exhausting, <laughs> you know? It was exhausting, and it wasn't good for me, it didn't make me a, a better, a more able to love others type of person. It was made me more of a, a, a bad guy, a deviant, uh, someone who hides in the dark. It's like my friend John Glisson, he says, uh, the, the thing about sexual addiction is, it, is it's like mold. It grows best in the dark. It grows best in the realm of secrets. Nobody knows your secret. <laughs> that song I played in the beginning, then uh, it, it has power and it'll stay and it'll flourish in the dark like mold. <clears throat> Truth, man. Um, Secrets can be another way of dealing with stress, right? Stress at work. Breaking the habit of, of secrets is sometimes just looking at what stresses you out and how you handle that stress. Because a lot of times, you know, again, it's like procrastination. Uh, keeping secrets requires vast quantities of energy. That's what Dr. Block said. Uh, to quote Dr. Block in his newsletter, secret keeping requires vast quantities of energy to keep things hidden and to keep plates spinning in the dark and it just it just adds to anxiety it adds to health problems man it adds to high blood pressure increased stress and keeping secrets as a way to um, handle stress in our life is uh, it's kind of like masturbation it you know or peeing your pants to keep your backside warm as we used to say in Alaska. Zero degrees outside, um, it's tempting to piss yourself to keep your backside warm, right, when you're cold. It goes bad, don't do that. May sound good, may feel good, may be functional for a few minutes, but long term, uh-uh, your whole body's gonna freeze. Don't, <laughs> you see what I'm saying, right? Learning how to take apart our secrets, learning how to make amends even apologize when we have kept secrets. Bringing things out into the light is just, um, again, it, it, it'll lower your anxiety level. Um, anyway, uh, coming clean. When should we come clean? At surprise parties, <laughs> right? On Christmas time. Oh, the secret's out. You got the present, right? Okay, cool. <coughs> um, making amends for when we've lied. 
confidence, telling someone, hey man, I apologize. Not keeping lies about money and time, just keeping secrets. You come home, where were you? I, uh, I was at work late when you really stopped at the tavern, you know, went to the store, bought some stuff, and then you lie about how much money you spent. These are things that just add to more, again, stress and anxiety, secret on top of secret. The secret is a little seed and it blooms into a big stinky lie, right? Um, number three, fearing wrath. And this can be a big one, uh, especially if you've had an affair, an affair, if you've had an adultery, right? If you've cheated on someone, um, I've heard it said that, you know, oh, well, let's say I went out of town and it was just a one night stand and I'm never going to see that person again. My wife doesn't need to know. My husband doesn't need to know because it's never going to happen again. I'm never going to see that person again. Uh, we wore, we used protection, right? Um, you probably still need an STD test. And the thing about sexual trysts like that is, it, it, from what I've seen, you know, keeping that secret isn't healthy because these sexual trysts are like potato chips, right? We don't tend to have just one. The vampire in our flesh sits there and goes, oh wow, that was really easy. Let's see if I can do it again. And it becomes a pattern. Confession of an adultery is important. Confession of um, compulsive porn use is important. If you keep looking at porn week after week after week and you can't stop and you fear the wrath of either uh, exposing your affair or exposing the fact that uh, you can't stop looking at porn. I get that, all right? The thing about jacked up people is that jacked up people tend to um, attract to themselves other jacked up people. Uh, so we get in a relationship, we got our own issues, we are good at keeping secrets. A lot of folks who are good at keeping secrets and have emotional issues in the dark tend to be attracted to people who are kind of the same. I don't know why. It's not, I'm, I'm generalizing a little here, I realize that, but for a lot of people that seems to be their story. For a lot of couples that, you know, that seems to be their story. You know, one person's an addict and one person um, is super healthy. That's usually not the norm. But if it's not the norm for you, then praise God, right? Because you're right. You're one of the few. So when when wrath, see when anger turns to wrath. The Bible says it's okay to be angry, but not to sin. Like, don't sin in your anger. If you don't get angry, there's probably something wrong with you. But if you just, if you turn to wrath, um, rage. I've studied anger a lot, because part of sexual addiction, if you're honest, most sex addicts 
um, a lot of people that struggle with behavioral addictions like food addiction, gambling addiction, sex addiction, these are tied to anger. A lot of man, sex addicts are angry people on the inside, most of us, all right? So studying anger was really eye-opening to me. The, one of the things about anger, when it's, it's not handled right as a kid, like if your parents let you have um, temper tantrums, that usually, that anger usually turns to rage, okay? So if you're married to that person and you know they're gonna get angry and it might turn to rage, this is when it's going to be important that you have a third party. I think in most cases it's important to have a third party. You know, you hear a lot of religious people say, hey, if you've had an adultery, if you've had an affair, you need to confess that, just go home and confess it to your spouse. I don't think that's necessarily healthy without a third party, without a bomb squad, as I talked about in the early shows, using that metaphor of the bomb squad to help contain this explosion that's gonna happen because it is like a bomb going off, revealing the secret and trying to make amends. Um, when you can, confessing this is, is a little different than just making amends, and I'll go into that a little later. Um, again, anger management and wrath. Don't just, you know, if you get convicted, you heard this podcast or you heard a, a sermon or some psychologist talk about, you know, oneness and openness in a relationship and in your, you had a few glasses of wine or you had some beers and then you, you, you feel like, hey, I'm going to confess. Don't. Don't drink and drive, all right? <laughs> I don't believe you should ever get drunk and drive, and I don't think you should get tipsy and just start uh, secret revealing when you're not sober, okay? It's just not, not something that I would recommend in any way, shape, or form. Um, secrets can be important. In this day and age of the digital world, I'm kind of fascinated by the Snowden story in the news and WikiLeaks, right? I mean, it sounds like, and maybe for a lot of folks, younger folks, and, and even the, some of the Snowden stuff I thought was good. Like, I think I ought to know that my government is listening to my phone calls. Not that they're listening to everyone's phone calls. They don't have time for that. But I'm sure there's computers or algorithms set up that Snowden decided to rat the government out and say, hey, I don't think we should be listening to... They don't know that we're reading their emails, listening to their phone calls. I mean, that's just not cool. So Snowden says this. But the fallout of that and then going into the WikiLeaks thing here a little bit, is that some secrets need to be kept for the safety of the populace, right? I mean, some of that WikiLeaks stuff that came out resulted in people dying. Is it wrong that the government, the United States government or whatever, hid some information? Yeah, I believe that. But there's reasons that we hide information and we keep secrets. What does that look like in a relationship? I'm gonna end the show very soon, all right? And this is cool, because I haven't hit pause once. <laughs> As a solo show, that's impressive. <laughs> I'm impressed with myself. Anyway, um, to conclude, is thinking about, you know, Snowden and WikiLeaks, there's a lot of folks listening that 
you know, maybe you you are thinking to yourself, yeah, my wife, my husband, I'm going to hear wrath. I'm going to feel wrath. They're going to get angry. They're going to be hurt. They're not going to want to talk to you. Some folks, you know, I, some folks have a hard time getting angry. And that may be a problem too because they become um, passive aggressive. I mean, there's many people that there's an adultery, then the other spouse goes and has an adultery. It's another reason to bring a third party in, man. Pay the extra money, get a counselor, um, do it. But before, you know, part of confessing this is getting in a group and talking with people. That's why I think recovery groups are so incredibly important. If you're a sex addict, go to a group. It's Everything's kept secret in that place. Um, it's kind of like the behind-the-counter metaphor, and I've used this on the show before. It bears repeating. Um, I heard of a pastor, an older pastor, who talked about... I think it was Charles Stanley. He was telling the story about his his dad having this like mercantile exchange or some. I think it was his dad or his grandpa or something. And and you know there were certain people that would come into the business. See, everyone's like a small business. You walk in the front door and you see the person behind the counter and you say, "Hey, Bob," and they say, "Hey, Charlie," right? And you know that person. You do business. They walk out the front door. But there's a few people that you let behind the counter in your life. There's a few people, like your family kind of sees behind the counter, right? Usually they see more than most people do. But there's a few people that you bring behind the counter and they know your business. They know your stuff. They know the stuff behind the counter that everybody doesn't know. And again, it's it's okay to keep... It's not necessarily that you're keeping secrets, but for me, I've had to learn to not just be... I'm cocky sometimes. I was cocky in my just transparentness. Like, this is me. If you don't like it, fuck you. I'm Russ Shaw. Deal with it. These are the things I struggle with. And some of it, for people who didn't know me well, was shocking. <laughs> right? And that's the way it came out. That's the way it turned out. So, when it comes to being in a group, and, and a group of people who are dedicated at, at some point to, to being your behind-the-counter people. Not just for you, but you're there for them too. Recovery groups, 12-step groups are like, you know, hey, we all struggle with the same thing and we're moving towards a, a goal, so to speak, right? And we're, we're here to, to be the behind-the-counter, to kind of be like family, where, where our families failed even in, in some areas. But hear what I'm saying, right? Have people that are behind the counter in your life. And confessing your secrets to them first can be a good way to start to loosen up the process of confessing to your spouse next. And I, and I totally recommend that you do that. Especially if your spouse is an angry person who's not dealing with their anger. Confessing this and having this happen is a good way for them to get some help with their anger as well. Because um, they may not know they have a problem. Keeping it in the dark, it doesn't help anyone. It just it it it, it, it erodes oneness. Over and over again, the Bible's going to talk about oneness being one in the garden. Um, they were naked and unashamed, right? 
It's going back to oneness. Making amends is about revealing secrets. It's about getting on the same page with your spouse, with family members, with people that you've hurt or injured, whether they know that you've hurt and injured them or not, depends on how, for me, my faith is really the only power that has got me through to be able to do any of this because I am a scared, frightened child inside that just wants to stay um, wrapped in a blanket, huddled in the dark, right? So letting God in, right? Not that I, he sought after me and I had to, you know, I had to just wake up and realize that he loves me, that he's not some angry uh, bastard, right? That, that wants to punish me. This is verse 28. It's Matthew uh, 11, verse 28. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's Jesus Christ saying that. That's God who put on human flesh and walked among us as the sun. It's good news. And it will help. It won't just help. It, it'll, it'll be the power, the power of the Holy Spirit to release us from this burden of secrets and lies and help us to start on the track of step eight to make amends. All right. I love you guys. That show in two tracks. That's pretty good. <laughs> anyway, until next time. Again, next week, the uh, eighth, eighth, uh, yeah, eight years, man. Eighth anniversary of the ASI podcast. So check that out. Um, subscribe, whatever. If you'd like to leave a donation, you can. It helps, uh, helps keep this thing rolling down the highway. Cost money to keep it right, keep it online, and, and I appreciate folks that uh, are willing to step in and, and help with that. It's awesome. I'm humbled and honored by your generosity. Thanks again for listening. Keep me in your prayers. I'm praying for you guys. Until next week. Brand new skies